Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. Cold open question of the week, Kaz. What's poppin', Dave? This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah. A toast to breakfast. We're doing twice a week. We should probably change the name of this thing. But anyway, cold <laughs> open question of the week. Rank these four professional wrestlers slash performers in terms okay. of their likelihood of being at WrestleMania in LA. The Rock, John Cena, Sasha Banks, and Logan Paul with one knee. Oh, all right. Boom. So I'm going to start with Logan Paul number one in the bullet. 1,000% happening, right? Mm-hmm. Then I will go, I mean, I don't know when Peacemaker Season 2 starts taping, but I'm pretty sure John Cena would want to put tapings around that. Streets is saying it's going to be Logan Paul versus John Cena, so I'm going to put number two there. I'm going to put number three, Sasha Banks, right there, right? Ooh. Like, I think I'm putting number three, Sasha Banks, and four at the bottom. Hopefully, so I'm proven wrong, but not for nothing. Like, uh, would it be mad if he didn't show up? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> trying to catch you on that one, man. I can't really get it. You really did. Right. Can't get me, bro. Oh, I got it. Oh, it's another Monday Mask, man. Let's start the show. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Roast Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. Husky, Steve Kazee. This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hi, this is Lillian Garcia. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to them. And you're listening you're to listening to And you are listening to the And you're listening to, you're listening to You are listening to The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to The Masked Man Show on Monday with Kaz. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, brother. How about yourself, man? Good, man. Our producer, Brian Waters, is here, and we're joined... Is with by with a by a very special guest this week. The one very special guest. The only Cameron Hawkins. You might know him on Twitter as Seahawk. How you doing, Cam? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Cameron oh, Hawkins, it's... aka the most electrifying man in black wrestling Twitter, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this man's takes are hilarious every time, yo. Oh. Not even not just the takes, but the reaction to the takes. Always, always. Is great, though. So That's what the action is. Here. It's the reaction. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Absolutely. 
<laughs> I met Cam at, at Wally Mania this year, and he was he was helping out and sort of hanging back. And I met him, and I was like, I know you. How do yeah. I know you? And he didn't tell me. He didn't say, <laughs> you know, you must know me from Twitter. So it took me a while to figure it out. Um, Cam, Cam was like my unofficial like tag team partner at Wally Mania, bro. Like it was a million things happening at, at once. Oh. And then like Cam, who I might have only seen in person a handful of times, popped up and like. Yo, whatever you need, I got you. And by the time I turn around, he's like shuffle, like he's like shuffling MVP through the crowd. Like he's like bringing like all the talent from stage to VIP and and getting their their, their gift baskets and all that type of stuff. And I was like, from this day forward, I'm like, Cam is good in my book. So, oh man, it's here we are, man. man. Yeah, they, and then when we and then when Cal when our new when our wrestling editor Cal started working with us, we were like talking about people. And and I remember I saw a tweet that that he was a an English teacher, English professor, and I was just like, wait, wait a second, this guy can write. Can write. That's, that's <laughs> find out let's find out and then we we realized he had been writing and stuff but the, but yeah he's done some incredible stuff for the ringer man uh yeah man welcome to the show about, bro yeah it's appreciated man. man absolutely absolutely it was um yeah yeah i mean the wally mania thing was just like you know the guys need help so help um <laughs> it, it's you you get into different rooms and it's kind of cool when nobody knows you in the room because you can just kind of do what you need to do and uh, it was it was fun man I liked um just just sitting back um you know helping to make things work you know being a cog in the machine was really cool you know I got I did my own stuff that weekend but the most fun was just like watching stuff work man I love that it was really cool so yeah and it's always much appreciated and we're gonna continue to put you to work today so. You know, it's Monday morning, it's Mass Man Show Monday, so let's let's get to it, Dave. What we got, what's good? We got a lot of stuff going on. No no big pay-per-views to cover, nothing crazy like that. Um, the biggest news, we talked about it some last week, but the biggest news popping around wrestling internet this week, and Cam, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's about William Regal going back to WWE, and it seems to be less about him going back than the sort of like, real, we're going to get meta here real quick. It's like mm. everybody's got a take on how the story was reported, and everybody's got a take on how this reflects on the various locker rooms. And like, there's a lot of people trying to figure out what his contract situation must have been. It, it seems like everything's sort of beside the point. I don't know how, how often you guys go out to indie shows, uh, but you know, and Brian, no, yeah, I'm sure you, I mean, like most people who were like hanging out at medium to high level indie shows in the past decade are very familiar with the sight of William, William Regal peeking his face out from behind the curtain, like watching, scouting somebody, watching people. And we know he had a hand in bringing in the sort of like indie generation of wrestlers to WWE. I mean, he's got a lot of value there. And we know he's got a long-standing relationship with Triple H. Um, so it, this isn't too shocking to me. You know, a lot, I mean, I, I'm not going to try to pretend to be an internet lawyer who understands you know what? Uh, how what the what the contract situation? How this came to came to pass is, but man, and as just someone who lives in the real world, if you're like close friend gets hired to to a crazy level job, it's not weird to think you'd go to your boss and be like, "Hey, can I go hang out with my friend?" Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. When you you kind of broke the story to me last episode because I just thought. I truly believe that, like, oh, okay, like, this whole William Regal be a villain thing is going to be, you know, the setup to, like, the eventual Mox, MJF rematch, whatever the hell the case may be. But the more I, I learned, the more I talked to people since we, we spoke, and the more we, uh, I, I kind of got more insight on it, it, it was giving 
get me the fuck out of here very quickly, <laughs> right? Like, it kind of felt like, you know, when you're, uh, and I, not just William Regal, but it kind of starts to feel like for a lot of folks in the AEW that made the jump from WWE, it almost always felt like, in my estimation, like a leadership issue, right? Like, I don't think a lot of people who made that jump from AEW, from WWE to AEW, wanted to leave WWE. I did think that there was a lot of issues with, you know, the old man being in charge and, you know, having the ability to make similar or more money at another company, still be on TV, and um, at least get to do things um, in a way that you kind of see as where you believe your skill set lies the best. I think what makes the difference thing with Regal is that he's not an in-ring competitor and, well, not anymore. And what makes him so popular and, and so controversial is that he was pretty much like the brain, well, one of the brain children between the golden era of NXT, which is, you know, you could pick his era, you could pick Dusty's era. But between those two guys, those were like the two like patriarchs um, next to Triple H, obviously, of like the next generation of professional wrestlers. So it makes us very like telling and very like, eyebrow raising and I guess why there's been so much discussion about it is that like he went in there for a couple of months with probably the same amount of talent and young talent that he could have been with at NXT and probably felt like I would like to be back where I know I'm comfortable which is being behind the scenes being a coach being you know a person that can help mold the next yeah. generation of, of performers and not necessarily in the, in the sense that um, you know, he doesn't have as much control or much, you know, say so in that. And um, that's what it kind of struck like to me and the people I spoke to, you know, like it just kind of felt like Regal wanted to go back where he was comfortable. And now the WWE is at a point where, you know, maybe for the first couple of months after Vince was gone, there was like, okay, he's gone, but is he really? And I mm -hmm. think after seeing all these people come back, seeing the change of the products seeing a lot of things kind of come and go and kind of see where AEW has come and gone in the past several months and weeks, um, kind of makes you think like, okay, maybe the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So I ask you this question, Dave, because I think it all ties up to the real discussion that I felt was going on, on, on wrestling Twitter. And I guess you too, Cam was CM Punk, right? Did CM Punk have a point? <laughs> Did CM Punk have a point? Like when he, like when we really break no, down what he was really pissed about, and a guy who was, you know, been largely removed from the pro wrestling locker rooms for the past seven, eight, eight years, something like that. And the thing about working with children and blah 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 and all this type of stuff. Do you believe with William Regal leaving that CM Punk? may not have been as a cantankerous old man that he was coming across as. Do you think that maybe he had a point that AEW just not built for the big leagues quite yet? Well, I know Cam's answer is going to be yes. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to answer <laughs> for him. But the, no, but uh, listen, people are already drawing connective threads between CM Punk saying, you know, everything that he said. And, you know, both of the guys have talked about offering help to the younger generation of wrestlers and not getting a big response. Brian Pillman Jr. was out on Twitter today or yesterday saying, no, we were there listening to Regal, you know, like whatever. Sometimes it was just me and Yuta and Garcia or whoever it was, Moriarty, who, who'd he say? But but there is three of them. And sometimes it was a lot of people, you know, but 
Yeah, CM Punk said his door was always open. And uh, what? Uh, listen. Uh, yes, <laughs> there does seem to be some sort of lack of desire from some of the younger crew in, in AEW, but there's also a lack of, uh, of infrastructure there sort of making that happen and formalizing yeah. it, you know? And, and also, I mean, what are you going to do, man? It's a different generation of people, you know? I mean, it's like this is, it doesn't, Listen, it's totally different, but it doesn't sound so different than I'm sure what everybody was saying about CM Punk when he was working at WWE and people were like, well, he doesn't want to drink with us in the locker room, you know, <laughs> or he doesn't like, what? I mean, it's a, it's a different generation. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think to me and, and Cam, you get in here, it's a pretty straight line. And, and, and I think it would be clear if people were, I think I said this on Thursday. I think that Meltzer kind of got out ahead of his, over his skis. What's the phrase? Got out over, got <laughs> Over his ski, we got ahead of himself when okay. he reported this story the first time, because he pr he probably had it on good word that he was that Regal was about to leave, but he didn't have all of the sourcing and all of the real details. So he said the thing about the one year deal, which seemed a little bit you know. Then he realized Regal had said he signed a three year deal, and now it's like everybody's saying, well, if he's just going back because he wants to be with his old friend, then why are they making it like state secrets and all this kind of stuff? I mean, listen. Whatever he signed when he started, he specifically at the time said he wanted to be on screen only. That's yeah. what he asked for. Yeah. Now, to me, for someone who has so much history backstage, that that sounds a lot like somebody who wants to, who's like guarding, who's doing something deliberate, guarding against the potential eventuality of saying, well, I want to go back to WWE and work backstage. Because like we said, you're not going to sign a contract that prohibits you from switching careers. Right. Yeah. You can have it. There's going to be an on-screen non-compete. Sure. But there's nothing that's going to there's nothing in, in his AEW contract that prohibits William Regal from like going to work for the car dealership down the street. Right. 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 So if you're doing something different, I'm, that's that's what I think this whole thing is. And frankly, I think that AEW is just being protective and they're saying we wrote him off. We killed him on screen. We're not we're, we're choosing to not publicize him going to the competition, even though it probably would look good for them to be like, yeah, we're doing Regal a solid. They're does just this, being overly this, protective of it. But I don't this, know. But, but go back to the original H's question. Tweet? Does this make Triple H's tweet on the war games hit a little differently? Do you think Triple H knew at that time? Because remember. Probably, right he probably knew at that time he was trying to get him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, because, you know, I'm just thinking, Cam, like, oh, okay, that's a, Cam, that's a you, nice thing of Triple H to do. But then I'm Cam, like, oh, have you ever complimented somebody on Twitter because you, you because you were, like, trying to trying to get in their good favor? Yeah, right? <laughs> Absolutely. She's my girlfriend now. Um, no, um, <laughs> In all seriousness, um, the last few things that I've written, um, the thing that stood out, the name that sticks out who is not an active wrestler is William Regal. Um, Tony Storm spoke highly of him uh, going to NXT UK and then eventually NXT stateside. Dax Harwood talks about him finding him in Japan. Um, yeah, people just speak. And then and Mello talks really highly of him too. So I think that part of it is not that you're not appreciated in AEW, but they love him over there. Like, they love mm -hmm. him. Like, those kids and kids as a varying age, they really love him and what he brings in his mind. You talk about how close he is with Triple H. Um, there's This is a love for that guy. And I think that when I look at what Shawn Michaels is doing with an NXT and you got the influx of your J.D. McDonough's and your Gallus's and your Dragunov's, like, just... Guys, and then, you know, your, your uh, Albert Fires, just people who he can really look at, who have been watching him since they were kids, who he can really give that solid advice. I just think it's the move for him. Um, 
And then, you know, you talk about CM Punk. Even if you were one of those people who just had to choose a side in the conversation, right? Let's say you're totally neutral in the whole thing. When the elite comes out and does mm. a bunch of CM Punk spots, mm. like they're we didn't even talk about that. Back, like whether <laughs> in it's, Chicago, by the way, like, yeah, whether it's <laughs> just the most meta thing in the world or whether it's an inside joke between everybody, you can't look at that and not go like, "Come on, guys! Like, come on! Like, there's yeah, yeah. you if if." They're either playing exactly into what he's saying or they just don't care. But either way, if you're somebody on the side of CM Punk was right, you're going to ride with that. Like, like it does look away. It feels away. And it just seemed counterproductive to what they were doing. And, it's and so, counterproductive yeah. on, on more than one level, because not only does it feed into the CM Punk was right stuff, which was not a very robust side of the argument. It was, a very, it was that, a very unpopular side of the coin to be on for a long time. And now you're giving people the ammunition to be like, oh, well, but, it, but it also gets people a little mature, <laughs> but it also encourage it, it encourages the more conspiratorial or just their average wrestling fan to think, well, they wouldn't be doing that unless CM Punk was coming back. Right, yeah. it's got to be yeah. part of the story. It so you got plays that up. So when he yeah. doesn't show up, and and if he doesn't show up, but when he doesn't show up, it's like, what was all this for? Like, what did this prove other than taking a shot at a guy? Like, yeah. it just it, it's so unnecessary. And and I don't think that that directly plays into what a William Regal does. But it's like you said, being an on screen guy, which he was really really good at. Like, I think it ran its course. Like, I don't think there's more for him to do. I think. Yuta's in a better place. I think he was really great next to Moxley. I don't think Brian needs a guy. Cesaro's in a better spot. And so it's like, what else do you do? I don't think Max needs a mouthpiece next to him. No, definitely not. So it's just like, I think it ran its course to play well. And then, of course, you got Moxley, who um, literally gave him the Lion King. He said, you (laughs) go away and you never return. I was like, oh, God, he's Scar. (laughs) And I loved it. Like, you know, five-year-old, six-year-old me thought it was great. But yeah, yeah um, it was just, uh, it seemed like they wrote him off perfect. And I just think that if you do not have him in a role where it's literally coaching and scouting and bringing guys in, let him go do that where he's good at. I think you got out of him what you needed. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What if WWE just says, like, fuck Sammy Mania (laughs) and has, like, Cody Rhodes go over clean on night two of WrestleMania in the main event and everybody starts booing that. Are we right back to like, like, is it, it's not the same thing, but I feel like it is the same thing. It's going to, that all we're going to be talking about is how, like, uh, how much there's like problems in one place and not in the other place. Mm. So, so you mean, just so I'm clear, you mean booing, you mean because of the momentum Sami Zayn has, 
Do you think there's a possibility that if they go the route of Cody, the AEW guy who's hurt for a while, winning the Rumble, main eventing WrestleMania, that sort of starts the same sort of issues he had on his way out of AEW? Is that what you're I saying? I think it has more. It's more like you know Batista with you know being put in the main event during the during Daniel Bryan's run. I don't think it's going to happen. Frankly, I don't think it's that difficult a needle to thread. And 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 I have faith that the folks running WWE now can probably do it a little bit more artfully than it would have been done in the past. But if it feels like if it feels like we're like, oh, we know you guys are cheering for Sami Zayn, but that's not our plan. So up yours, like mm-hmm. that, you know, that's that that is a problem they're going to have to deal. Or it's not a problem. That is a an issue they're going to have to deal with. If they're if Sami Zayn's not in the main event at WrestleMania, at the way he's going, we were talking about this last week. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be a big deal. Frankly, if it were me, we could just take a hard pivot here. I've been thinking about this all week. If it were me, I'd bring Cody back as a heel. Really? And not okay. only would I bring him back as a heel, I'd bring him back as, two, my, as Triple H is my idol heel. Like, mm. <laughs> like <laughs> let's postpone the Dusty thing for a year. No, if it's going to be Rock Roman, let heel Cody Rhodes be the one that takes Sammy out of the main event. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I, this does not cross my mind at all. I, I feel like... It's so easy for me to go with the baby face coming from an incredible injury who battled in a hell in a cell with a purple ass pectoral. It's like, it's going to be oh, hard no. for I mean, listen, there's so booed. many reasons why that's a bad idea. Don't. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, man, like, do you really want to sacrifice this incredible baby face story? Like your next, your next like golden boy. Or is supposed to be your golden boy after this Roman run meets his end. Do you want to sacrifice that just because of Sammy and make Sammy your golden boy? I don't know. Like it's, but it is interesting. Like I'd be hella interested in it because the way I'm looking at it, okay, Cody and Roman, if they face off for the first time ever at WrestleMania, this and Cody goes over. I'm just in the mindset of thinking like, WrestleMania in Los Angeles is going to be the last time we see Roman Reigns for a good minute, mm-hmm. right? Like, I just feel like after that, he's he's gonna he's gonna take a much needed sort of like back off from. Right? He's gonna and get on gonna, that cruise ship with John Moxley. Word, and- right? <laughs> Go on vacation and, and enjoy the spoils, right? So I'm gonna uh, uh, assume that whoever kind of picks up the ball after Cody is going to be somebody from the bloodline. It's going to be somebody who's been built up throughout this entire run to kind of be put in that main event, whether it be Jey Uso or whether it be Sami Zayn, right? Are the bloodline over enough that a baby, a newly minted baby face, Jay and Sammy, the best buds going after Cody, a heel Cody. I don't know. Does Cody do, do they pull a WrestleMania 17 and like Cody goes like heel at WrestleMania and just like takes the fucking terrible, wh- I don't know. That with a feels, sledgehammer, right? With a sledgehammer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that is, yeah. my gosh, if you go back, if you really want to thread the needle and think, wow, Triple H, my last WrestleMania I'll ever wrestle, Roman Reigns beat me for the world title. You know what I mean? And as much as we want to say, you know, you know, Cam, you mentioned it. The uh, people respecting the idols, respecting history. It's kind of wishy-washy when it comes to WWE. 
not wishy-washy at all when it comes to Triple H. Triple yeah. H will mm-hmm. go above and beyond when it comes to telling and 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 enhancing the history of professional wrestling. Cody being like Triple H's like next Seth. That tells a lot of story. That's a whole new thread of stories you can tell now with a babyface Seth Rollins, a babyface Sammy, a babyface Jay Uso. Like I didn't think about it at all until until Dave brought it up. But I mean, a heel Cody could be extremely interesting if you want to get Roman away after a while, and uh, you know if if him ruining the Rock matchup, the dream match. Like, there's many ways you can go with it. You know what I'm saying? I'm interested. That sounds interesting, Dave. I'm not mad at it. So my thing was, looking at the story they've been telling, you know, for like two years, and just how good it was uh, in the Thunderdome, my thing was, if they have Elimination Chamber in Montreal, right? Mm -hmm. That's when Sammy gets his title shot. Yep. And Roman kills Sammy. Just Mm. kills him. Like to the point where, oh. where Roman being the biggest star gets a babyface reaction, they just gotta boo him because he just he kills Sam. Mm-hmm. But Jay wins the Royal Rumble. But Jay winning the Royal Rumble is like, oh, we got the Royal Rumble too, the bloodlines in full effect. Nobody can touch us. Of course, Jay's not gonna challenge Roman. But Jay, who Sammy won over, sees Sammy get killed, like he got killed in a cage, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so then you got Jay and Roman. And so now you have, because I think Jay, um, it's weird, like aesthetically, um, you know, the Usos, of course, being twins look just alike, but Jay got a little slimmer in the face and his hair's a little different and his swagger's a little different. And so I, I do think like there's some real like like baby face in him. Of course, the fire's always been there, but if they have money in the bank at WrestleMania and Cody wins it, Mm. And like face Cody, face Cody wins money in the bank, but heel Cody cashes in end of the night. Mm. And you got a moment. So yeah, yeah, I really think um, um, I see Jay, but it, it's weird because I also see uh, a Sammy and KO as tag champs. So it's all <laughs> kind of muddled up, yeah. right? But yeah, I really think that um, even though Sammy would buy one, hey, I think Jay and Roman with, with no Rock is the match. But I like Cody coming out as a heel at the end and winning it. I like that a lot. I like like that a lot, too, man. My gosh, there's more than one royal family in professional wrestling. Like, what a story that is. And if you listen to anybody who claims to be in the know on how this Roman story is going to end, they say they know exactly how they're going to do it. And the fact that they took away money in the bank from being a a pay-per-view and are, we can only assume, going to use it at WrestleMania... There's some shit you can play with right there, man. There's a whole story. Even if like, I think the biggest, I think the biggest hurdle that the WWE has coming up with WrestleMania Hollywood is making it live up to its Hollywood billing. And if you could tell, if you can thread a whole story Mm. like that in one night and Mm. go from somebody being the most popular baby face, comeback, bleeding heart, white meat guy to being the most hated, how could you type of dude at the end of the night and start a whole new run after that in a world without Roman Reigns and the bloodline running shit. You got something there, man. You know, so yeah. it makes you think that if they already know how this is going to end, there's a good chance that money in the bank will somehow be involved in this at WrestleMania if they go that route. So those being able to 
That's so interesting. Being able to implement the Royal Rumble winner, the Money in the Bank winner, and the World Championship all in one night screams legendary Los Angeles Hollywood. And if C- you can't get and the Rock. CM Punk too. Don't <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we Regal's not the only person who people are talking about coming back to WWE this week. We got Tegan Knox. Made a mm. surprising return on SmackDown, which I actually want to talk about. Eric Young is apparently on the way back, too. You could tell that Triple H always liked him down in NXT. He got <laughs> yeah. murdered on, like, you know, on, on TNA. He is in canon dead uh, as far as TNA goes. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what WWE does with him because, you know, he's at that phase where he could just be a back more of a backstage role, too. But last week we were talking about the SmackDown women's division and how they kind of hadn't done Ronda a whole lot of favors by the way they built it. But now just sort of in the blink of an eye, the SmackDown women's division is, is eh, making moves, right? We got uh, Emma's back. Um, we got Shayna Baszler looking like a badass, you know, without Ronda around. She's just sort of like just killing people. Um, I shouldn't use killing jokes after Eric Young just died. Sorry, guys. Uh, um, Tegan Knox made her big return. Yeah. I mean, listen, she, uh, that return, they were in a weird corner with that return because a return is a return. You got to make it look like a return for her benefit. But at the same time, she's not quite on the level of these other returns that are happening. All that said, she's like, you know, if her knees are good, she's an elite, elite talent, you know, and, and she'll be, and she'll be a huge asset to WWE. And then to top it all off, we got Lacey Evans back in the fatigues, combat boots, doing the pull-ups. Oh She's, yeah. Like US Marine Lacey Evans is uh is is apparently on the way back according to these promo packages. Um which certainly feels like a better look than her last gimmick and and you know, I'm a I was a fan of the sassy southern bell, but there was a real low ceiling on that one. So, uh you know, they, they, we, we got some people here. How are you feeling, Cam? Let me ask you. How are you feeling about Tegan Knox's return and the whole sort of composition of the SmackDown Women's Division? I think a difficult thing um, with a, a return like Tegan Knox is that women like to change their look, um, which is totally their prerogative, and it's a cool <laughs> thing, and she looks great. But I remember a couple of years ago when WWE brought Caitlyn back, and they had no idea who Caitlyn was. Mm-hmm. And like during that Divas era, she was one of my favorites. She was amazing. Like big, strong woman, put on some really good matches. Oh. Um, so I think that's difficult in the moment. But like you said, Tegan Knox is also really, really good. So once the match is starting, like that's going to work. They got so much talent and varying talent around Ronda. Um, I think she has to hold up her end on the matches and feuds. So I really do. Like Shotzi was a totally different type of opponent. They gave her a different type of match. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Shotzi was bad. I don't know if necessarily Ronda held up her end, but you got a Tegan Knox. You got um, you got Raquel right there. Shotzi's still there. Um, Emma, who they're doing something different with, like making her like a three dimensional figure. Like there mm-hmm. really is talent there. And then Shayna, I think that you know Ronda's of course a big star. I took a couple of friends to SmackDown last time they were in Austin, and oh, yeah. the thing that they remember from that night. And have nothing to do with none of the matches. I got to see Ronda Rousey. So mm. that thing still exists and will continue to exist, right? But man, Shayna is just so complete at everything that she does. Having her next to Ronda is both good and not great. Like for Ronda, I hope Shayna's her WrestleMania match because mm. I think that Ronda is going to trust Shayna. 
in a way. Like Ronda's, of course, a super athlete. I don't know if Ronda, even if she practiced it, I don't know if she can take a Shotzi DDT on the apron mentally. Mm. Like, I don't know if her body can process that, whether it be the move or whether it be just selling for somebody you don't know. I think whatever Shayna has in that match and wants to do, Ronda will do. And so I hope that's where they go. Ultimately, I think that, that her and Shayna is where the money is as far as a, a top-notch match. Yeah, I think you made a great point, man. I feel like uh, SmackDown, the SmackDown women's division sort of needed a facelift for a long time because Ronda was the champion. And on top of that, they tried to make her like a fighting champion in the beginning of the year. And it was just, the, the roster just wasn't deep enough. Like all the vets were on Raw. You had Becky, you had Bianca, you had uh, uh, Rhea. Like all those guys were there. And even though, you know, Ronda is a combat sports legend, she's still a relatively pro wrestling novice, right? So, like, putting, placing her with it, you know, having a, a roster with, like, Tegan Knox, Shayna, Shotzi, um, uh, Raquel, uh, people that could really be just great hands to enhance this run because outside of, like, the Charlotte feud and maybe what happened with Liv Morgan, Nothing much about this run has been particularly memorable. I think this mm -hmm. this run is really just about like establishing Ronda as an every night champion. Like she's not Brock. She's not going to be the person who's going to come for the big four or five pay-per-views and, and wrestle these matches. And I think it's through her own doing too. I think she was like, yo, like I want to be a, a, a champion that's on SmackDown every Friday night defending the title and, and just getting more ring. There's no substitute for ring time. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no substitute for getting in there every week and through good, bad, or indifferent, just getting more ring minutes. And as, as great and as popular and as much of a star Ronda is, she just not just she just doesn't have as many ring minutes as the people that are currently on that roster. So I'm not mad at bringing in people like Emma and 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 Tegan Knox and all these other uh, new faces for the women's division to kind of, for lack of a better term, feed to Ronda. You know what I'm saying to make sure that she's at a, at a, at, a, at a higher level. Well, I mean, they certainly like are have higher are hiring enough people to have two legitimate women's roster. I'm very thankful to the new regime in WWE for ending some of the like ongoing arguments, conversations, whatever, fodder for podcasts that we had up to that point, which is like, should the women's divisions be united? You know, like, I mean, do we need a brand split in general? Like, well, we don't have to talk about it. Sure. I mean, maybe on a more esoteric level, they don't need a brand split. We can, we can talk about that. Uh, whatever. It'll keep being fodder for our podcast. Um, <laughs> what else happened on SmackDown? Oh, 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 Ricochet won the um Smack oh, the, yeah. the, the World Cup. Um I'm still sort of mad they didn't do this in like multi like round stages like the World Cup. Just I mean, I know point systems never fucking work in pro wrestling. <laughs> I know it just like takes all the air out of the room, but like it would have been cool if you know, we it it was a more roundabout way to get to this point, but I guess Fox wanted it and they had a limited amount of time and blah blah blah. Cam, what do you think about Ricochet Gunther? Where, 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 where are, you, are, we, are you looking forward to that? It seems like they're really building this kid now, finally. We put out a poll um, for WWE Wrestler of the Year and almost left Gunther off. And I was like, what was I thinking? Um, he's been spectacular. Uh -huh. Just that, that 
just him and Rey Mysterio was great. Him and Sheamus, maybe WWE match of the year. Uh, just really good stuff. Um, that yeah, Nakamura heavy, stuff, the Nakamura stuff earlier in the year, too. Good. He was having yeah. matches that at the time were like, holy shit, I can't believe that just happened. Yeah, especially just on TV matches, yeah. true. Like, he was great. Um, I think with Ricochet, they, you know, I give Shawn Michaels, like, some credit for this. I'm sure it transferred over to Triple H, but... I just like the black guys be black guys sometimes. Um, <laughs> talking to Mello about HBK, yeah. and a lot of it was HBK telling them, yo, I don't know what's cool anymore, but I know that you're cool. Let's see what you want to do, and then let's temper that. I think with Ricochet, hey, you know, good-looking dude, a bunch of ads, light skin, throw a gold chain on him and some J's, <laughs> and he's like, okay. And then all of a sudden, all the stuff he does in ring, it just flows a bit more when you feel like he's being himself, you know? So to have him be, like, the first guy um, up against, uh, you know, Gunther and lose the title after being after doing good, cool. You build back up, you build back up, you build back up. You have him in there with Escobar, who he's been tearing up with since Lucha Underground. Like, yeah, I think, um, you know... They, they've been trying to come up with the next Rey Mysterio for 20 years. They absolutely have. Guy we can put under a mask, pure baby face, superhero, do all the moves. It's just not the world we live in anymore. And so I think, you know, Ricochet, it was been a guy under a mask, does all the cool moves, um, put a bit more muscle on, and now has an actual look, like an actual style to him. Yeah, I don't know if it's the right time to take the title off Gunther, but... Um, one of the gripes I have with AEW, you got too many belts. You got way too many belts. But I do mm-hmm. like AEW's Dynamite Diamond Ring, right? So, like, it's mm-hmm. like this cool little thing that isn't quite a title. SmackDown Cup, exactly that. And you can just see it, like, if you look at the stills of Ricochet holding it up with the, the giant Tron in the background, mm. and Ricochet's 24 abs are showing while he's doing it. Like, <laughs> that's the superhero stuff. That's what you need. So, I don't know if it's Ricochet beating Gunther for the title, but it's the best iteration of Ricochet that we had against Gunther. I think it's going to be really, really good. You, you mentioned it, man. It was not lost on me that that huge-ass American flag holding a World Cup going up against a guy like Gunther who has been, you know, Mr. The, the, the Ring is Sacred, like that type of shit. Like, <laughs> it's giving me Rocky Four vibes, you know what I'm saying? Rocky Four is that the one? Like, that, like that's, you know, the, the training videos, the motherfucking I Must Break You. Like, it is... Mm-hmm. It is Rocky, you know what I mean? And as much as Ricochet has been through, as, you know, even people with all the accomplishments that he's had still don't really think, like, Ricochet has really gotten that big push that we all kind of thought he was going to get uh, when he got to NXT and was uh, and immediately, like, within, like, six seconds of being on uh, that, that six-man ladder match, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's the future of professional wrestling. It's the same guy, like, that The Rock was unpromptly just giving out praise to this dude on Twitter. Like, yo, this guy is going to be where pro wrestling goes in the next five or 10 years. Like, I think now the great thing about Gunther is not only is he impressive and he's had the year that he's had, he's done something that nobody's been able to do in the past. I guess if you want to count the Miz, uh, but just off of star power, but like bell to bell ability he has made the Intercontinental Championship more important than it has been in at least eight years, at least eight to ten years. And now, I think on the flip side of why people love the Intercontinental title so much is like it was almost the unofficial title of like your favorite guy. Right. Yep. Like for a long time, like Mr. Perfect, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, like Bret Hart, like 
they weren't necessarily the main dudes on the show. They weren't the Hulk Hogan's or the Randy Savage. Well, Randy Savage was there for a little bit. He wasn't necessarily Hulk Hogan, but the Intercontinental title was always like the unofficial title of your favorite guy that you want to watch in the show. And I think Ricochet fits the bill so easily because he's cut from the same cloth as a Shawn Michaels, um, a Mr. Perfect, all these dudes where it's like, okay, we've seen dominance with this title. Now yeah. we're going to see style. And... I don't know if it's the right time to take the belt off Gunther right now, but boy, if you want to make Ricochet a, a, a legitimate main player in this game, this is one hell of a way to do it. Like, I think right now might be the time. I don't think, you know, I think Gunther is, I think there's so many big, incredible things awaiting him in the next several years, especially. I'll be Lashley. Bob, um, yeah, like, come on, man. Like, let's yeah. let's see some of them big, meaty men bumping me for a while, you know? Like, I think, you know, we've seen Gunther beat the hell out of some small guys for a while, and it's fantastic, and he's great at it, and he's probably the best in the world at that. Mm-hmm. But now I'm ready to see some more out of Gunther and Imperium and maybe go over to Raw and maybe take over Raw for a little bit and go after that world title if that ends up being split. They also got something going on with Braun Strowman now. So I don't, I mean, it, it, yeah, you know, that too. I, that I don't know too. if is there a triple threat in the offing. I have no idea, but you're right. I guess what interests me most about the Ricochet Gunther thing is that, you know, you talk about sometimes a person, a performer elevates the belt and sometimes yes. the belt, the belt elevates the person, right? In this case, if Ricochet were to win, it would be a it would be a trade off not just of the belt but of that phenomenon, right? Because Gunther is is the person who's elevated the belt, mm-hmm. and you'd be giving the belt to Ricochet to elevate him. And I part of me wonders if there's just sort of like a net loss in that transaction. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like if you watched, I think it was I think it's just a YouTube interview or a dot com interview that that they did backstage with Gunther after SmackDown, or he was just like, like just the way every time he gets on the mic. He just makes, he's the one that makes Intercontinental title matter. Yeah. It's him having the title, right? And, and hopefully we'll keep it at a point, you know, there'll be some consistency to it that'll always be that, you know, a belt of that caliber. But it's him calling it the Grand Prix of professional wrestling, right? It's him, like, just staking the claim for it. Mm. Um, there was a, in that interview, he said, he said he was talking about Ricochet, and he's like, he's got all the talent in the world, but the problem is he's in it for himself. And I thought that Gunther misspoke when he said it because I was like, yeah, of course he is. He's a wrestler, right? Like I thought that he was something got lost in translation. But he was like, right. no, it's not about me. It's not about a person. It's about professional wrestling, right? It's the about this title, <laughs> right? And that's I mean, it's a long-standing chorus of his. It's not novel. But when he in the moment that he said it, I was like, oh, slip of the tongue. No, he makes this stuff matter. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. 
but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. We've been jabbing for a long time. We don't have that much time left, but I do want to take a hard pivot to AEW because uh, you mentioned Dax Harwood earlier, I think, when we were talking about Regal. But Jesus Christ, that match mm. with Brian Danielson this week was so fucking good. What... What here? I'm gonna ask you the most like self-serving question ever. Phil Schneider is writing that up this week for, in his in his matches of the week column, and like of course he is. And mm. I usually only put one guy from each match in the art, right? It's like it just it's it, sometimes it's a little bit uh, you know I have to make a decision based on aesthetics. Sometimes yeah. it's just like a personal preference. Sometimes it's the one the person that Phil writes the more words about in the piece, obviously. But like who from that match, Danielson or Dax, do you do you do you feature in the art? Who, gotta who, be who Dax. Really, is it it's Dax? gotta be Dax. It's gotta be Dax. Like he's he's been somebody who has always been an incredible professional wrestler. But I think the past year he's proven things that I just think a lot of people just didn't expect from him, right? Like mm-hmm. I think just the the fact of how AEW was built, you always just kind of assumed they'd be heels. It just always be those the anti young bucks, right? Like you just always thought they'd be those guys, but like they've grown in such a huge appreciation for the fans that they've just become like these white meat baby faces, just love to wrestle. And on top of that, Dax himself has proven himself to be an incredible solo competitor. You know what I'm saying? Like just a guy who could just, just tell, unbelievable, just tells incredible stories with his body and just being able to make this shit look like. You know, you could tell he just, he graduated from the school of Bret Hart. I don't know how much time he spent in the dojo. I mean, in the dungeon and none of that type of stuff. But just the way the realism that he brings to his performance that makes it look like an actual sport is such a lost art on a lot of people. And why a match with him and Danielson hits so well because Danielson probably does it better than him and probably does it better than anybody who's ever done it, making pro wrestling look like an actual sport. And Dax... The story that they're telling with Dax just being an incredible performer, going one-on-one with some of the top solo stars in the company or in the world and not winning these matches but having great performances, it's setting up him to be an incredible solo babyface performer in the future as well. So he's he's been unbelievable this year. Cam, what do you think? If you go to, uh, if you go to the ringer.com, mm-hmm. Um, there's an article from September 21st called The World Belongs to Dax Harwood. Um, He was the first person I asked AEW to speak with. Um, And it was because of the year he'd had. When we started looking at these of the year lists and I went back and started looking at those matches, I was just blown away. Um, And even in talking to him, it was really just like, you know, he comes from that school of Ricky Morton and from Ricky Steamboat, and, you know, that's his whole deal. Mm -hmm. But the thing was that he stressed was like, look, I'm not biggest, strongest, fastest guy. I'm guy from the Carolinas whose parents struggled to keep me in college, even though they weren't together. And I know struggle. I know what it's like to work hard. And I know what it's like to not get what you want, Mm -hmm. but to know that you deserve it. So when you see Dax go out there and 
go back and forth. When you see Dax tap out to his submission, that's Dax saying, we all struggle, we all fight. We mm. all get back up and keep going. Like, And my, my favorite thing, you talk about self-serving, my favorite thing was him going back and reading it and realizing what he'd said, mm. like not even knowing about it. Uh, knowing the influence that he had, um, he, he's he's amazing. Um, his psychology is great. His willingness to go toe to toe is great, and his willingness to just—I'm not the best wrestler in the world, but you're going to think I am for just long enough to where if I don't win this match, you want me to win the next one. Um, he's been amazing this year. And by the way, big credit to the uh, to the trios match too because they did it i mean they've managed to keep things interesting for three matches right they have different matches every time and frankly like i know it was a, when they announced the best of 7 it was a little bit uh, it didn't come with quite the pomp and circumstance uh, well there were a lot of people who were rolling their eyes a little bit and i frankly thought think in retrospect it was underblown like i think they should have made yeah. a bigger deal of it i think they should have made it seem like hey we're doing this is like Hogan Savage going best of seven, and you know after the mega powers explode, like this is these are this is like the 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 best 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 that AW oh, has to is. offer, and they and they but they've they've kept it interesting, and hopefully I, my guess is by the time it gets to the end, we're we're all uh, the whole wrestling universe is going to be just staring, you know, just going to be like paying, just going to be wrapped to see oh, how the, they how they, they are, do this thing. They are extremely influenced by basketball, right? And in any ga- best of seven series, mm-hmm. game five is the most important game of all of them, right? Like nobody wants to see a sweep, nobody wants to see somebody go down three one. But once it's 2-1, it's like, okay, you're definitely coming back. Like, there's going to be, you're coming back mm. home, right? So I think now, after, you know, it's 2-1, are they going to go 3-1? Are they going to go tie it up? Now, like, match five, I think, is when everyone's going to start really paying attention. Like, oh, okay, okay, like, this is it. So are they going to lose 4-1? Are they going to, which I, which I hope they do. I hope they go down 3-1, and if the Bucks and Kenny Omega are the great trolls that I know they are, they have to recreate that photo of LeBron James with the sunglasses on and the Undertaker shirt and saying no team has ever come back down 3-1 in the NBA final. Like, it's going seven. You know it's going seven, but you got to build up that drama to get it to seven, Mm -hmm. right? So I think right now, like most sports, like if you watch baseball, basketball, whatever, any best of seven series, it's not until you get to – game five and six that it's like true real drama you know what i'm saying so i think they're setting the table right now we're gonna get some main course shit in the next like match or two cam what do you think absolutely um i when people got on after the first match and they took like a clip from the match and were like this is supposed to be wrestling i'm like this is what this company is built on. And every person oh, in this yeah. arena is going crazy for this. This is the mm-hmm. thing that they want to see. And so personal taste aside, like you cannot deny the reaction to that. I think that even though it's, it's definitely a vehicle to reestablish the elite, I think Ray Phoenix is right there with Ricochet mm. as the smoothest guys in the entire world. And I think a lot of oh, yeah. this is building up him as, as a solo guy um, because he absolutely should be. And so I'm really curious to see the twists and turns that he takes specifically. Um, but yeah, I absolutely see it going three, one. 
um, something hokey <laughs> because hokey is what they do. But um, you know, some type of backstage skit, and then them just everybody going crazy in Game Seven. But yeah, I, I'm really Ray Phoenix is the guy I'm paying attention to with all this. But I think yeah, that, that seventh is going to be something special. I totally agree. I, I, you know, I'm, I've always been on the soapbox of like I can't believe that like Pinta hasn't gotten a run at the top of the card more than anything because I mean I think that he has that sort of star power. But, but there's a huge over as fuck. Like, yeah, this the, is. But but also just to sort of set up the Ray Phoenix run, right? I mean, just to set up like just to sort of establish that it's possible you know he can he he can uh run so so his brother ray can fly but like i I do think that when you if you if you if you sat down if you're tony khan you sit down let's throw the like immediate plans for booking out the window and you look at your roster sheet and you're like who are my who who on this roster is like absolutely transcendent you know phoenix has got to be at the top of the list right oh yeah oh yeah. i mean you i mean setting aside Jericho, you know, like the, the sort of like his inherent greatness. You do have like, I mean, who could actually who who would people like trip over themselves to watch given the right booking, right? I mean, it's MJF, it's Danielson, I guess. You know, it's it's Ray Phoenix. Um, I hope I hope we can get Jamie Hader there. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a I think in any company it's necessarily like a really really small number, and uh, and. Yeah, I think you're right, Cam. I think that I think that's the, I think that's the right way to be watching this because that's whether or not that's the plan. Um, that's definitely where they're going. Oh, Ricky Starks, another Cam subject of mm. uh, great renown. Um, Big Show, Paul White, obviously top. I'm just kidding. I, mean, I shouldn't be <laughs> dogging. Jay Cargill. That's a generational. T- that's a that's a channel yeah. changer right there. Like who yeah, is, channel I mean, stopper. I meant channel stopper. <laughs> um, channel channel stopper. Yeah, like you stopper? Put, no, you no, I know what you mean. What's the is there a freight? What's the what's the term? I don't know, but I just know back in the day. <laughs> Next, listen. No offense. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name names for to protect the innocent, but there will be times I'd be on the headset with Vince and <laughs> Vince's people who he wasn't favorites of would say, oh, <laughs> click. <laughs> like, Through the headset. And I'm just like, ah. Okay. Did you say have you told that story before on the air or is that a yeah, private conversation? I think it was a private conversation, <laughs> right. but like there were definitely people he was not fans of. And like he'd be on that set. Like while they're in the ring, like probably trying to either cut a promo or wrestle or whatever. <laughs> and it's Brian, like, can oh. we get a sound drop for any time a conversation goes on too long? I just want Vince McMahon voice just saying (laughs) that would be perfect (laughs) hilarious but no i bet jade cargo is a channel stopper like you flip it through the channel like ray phoenix is a channel stopper he doesn't god damn who the hell is that jade cargo same thing you flip through the channels god damn who the hell is that for different reasons but yes is that that, and that's a different list than like a top five draft picks list right like the five like 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 the top transcendent what makes you different than the competition why yeah. would I watch you when I could watch them? There are a handful yeah. of people on and that you don't, list in AW. And you don't have to be there yet to be on the list. Oh, we'll, we'll, we, we'll, we'll make this, we're, we're going we're gonna to hone this list and Cam has to contribute his own. But we we, we got to, we, we, this, is, this is a good way to think about things. All right, Definitely. we got to get out of here. We're doing these Monday shows. So I want to, you know, part of what we're doing is reacting to what happened over the weekend, but really reacting to what happened the week before. Because our Thursday show, we're all in the mix and everything. So, I want to give an opportunity, and I'm I'm springing this on everybody, Let's for everybody it. to give a shout out to something that happened in the last week that we haven't talked about. We don't. We're not going to talk about it long. I just want to say, like, who who did you enjoy? What did you enjoy over the past week that we haven't given enough time to? And I'll go first to give you guys time to think. Um, 
Dexter Loomis with a vice on his head, I thought was <laughs> <laughs> was absolutely magical. Um, we have not talked about him since he probably this like the third time he abducted Miz because it's just <laughs> not it's not backstage drama. Well, it is backstage drama in storyline, but it's not you know real backstage drama. Um, and they're not like you know they're not fighting for like a top title, and we got limited airtime. But man, they've told this story really well, and Dexter Loomis in little ways defies my expectations every time I see him out there. And when I see him in the, in, in the, in the match with the Miz schmozzy as it was, I'm always impressed by this dude. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the, what the long-term idea is with them. If there is one, I don't know. There needs to be one, <laughs> but, uh, I'm excited. Like he just makes me happy when he's on the screen. I'm excited to see where he goes. Um, who wants to go next? Uh, I got one. Um, Something that didn't even happen on WWE TV it happened at a house show uh, or a live event. Um, they were in Rochester, New York, uh, the home of uh, Brody Lee slash Luke Harper. And uh, Seth Rollins, at the end of the show, got on a microphone and and gave a, a wonderfully moving tribute to Brody Lee in, in his hometown. Uh, he said it was his first time wrestling there since uh, Brody passed. Brody passed around this time, maybe two years ago, uh, around the, you know, December, Christmas time. And um, it was just a wonderful thing uh, that that he said. I don't have the exact words, but you, you can check it out. And it's floating online right now. And, um, you know, it always kind of, it always kind of rubbed me the, uh, the wrong way a little bit how his death was sort of treated um, during in WWE, and I think a lot of people kind of felt the same way. Uh, AEW absolutely did a wonderful job eulogizing him, memorializing him, and continuing to memorialize him um, uh, in his passing. And I love that Seth Rollins took that time in his hometown to let people know just how special of a person he was. He was an incredible guy, incredible friend. Um, and we miss him every day, man. So um, shout out to Seth Rollins. Shout out, and of course, rest in peace always, to John Huber, a.k.a. Brody Lee, a.k.a. Luke Harper. Cam, what do you got? Brian, you're going too, so you better get one ready. Cam, you're up. Uh, salute to NXT, man. Um, I think that Braun Breaker is still uh, a work in progress. And I think the way that you progress people you want to win, you give them interesting challenges. And I think that Apollo Crews, all the talent in the world, just, just needed the right voice. Um, Apollo Crews telling Braun Breaker, hey, you've done great so far. You've beat X, Y, and Z. But the thing you had over everybody was you being bigger and stronger and faster than them. I'm all those things. Like, I can out-athlete you. And them sitting there having a legit serious conversation about it, them acknowledging that Braun's title run has been hard because he's beaten everybody, but that wears on you. They just added some real sport to what they're doing. It's hard to repeat as champ. And so I appreciate them taking the time to make that thing worthwhile, especially a match between two baby faces. So shout out to HBK. Uh, attention to detail with the title feud. Absolutely. Brian? Yeah, for me, it's Bianca Belair. Uh, she was in this competition. She officially... Got her WBFF Pro Card, first place in wellness, second place in fitness. To do that while being the EST of WWE, the Raw Women's Champion, just incredible over the last 10 weeks in between her schedule she's training. And you figure how intense the WWE role life is for her to be able to do that. I just think she just continues to prove that she's Superwoman. 
generational talent generational 100%. talent honestly god we don't talk generation. we don't talk about her enough in general i mean yeah. she's just you know i mean i think that um i'm excited to see what the next few months look like for her, you know because i think getting her to uh, the main event of wrestlemania um is in some ways a real straight line but you know she deserves a lot of the attention that that other people are getting right now, you know? So it, it'll be a lot of the, the focus. She gets her, she gets a lot. Don't get me wrong, but you we know. talked about it on the, um, uh, me and Kaz were on a panel for Comic-Con last year. And, you know, I always said just, just as a, somebody purely watching TV, it was always like, Hey, Vince really wants an all American black baby face. Mm-hmm. Like somebody who was a college athlete, good looking, good smile. You know, I think, Rock was that. I think Farouk was a little long in the tooth by that point. I think he wanted that with the Shelton. I mean, he's got him with Bobby Lashley. Yeah, it took took a minute. Like a run, but Bobby got there. But Bianca is all that more, man. Great look, strong, um, marketable, just just everything. And the idea that, like like Brian said, outside of wrestling, like all the things that Lex Luger didn't want to (laughs) do, Bianca does and more. You know what I mean? Like she just... Hey, went and got my pro card this week. Hey, making my own gear on the road. Like she's amazing. She <laughs> enjoy her amazing. while you can, man. I'm enjoy glad that we got to can. drag. I'm glad we got to drag Lex Luger as part of this conversation. <laughs> Mark, I used to work in life, man. <laughs> I like them when, when I used to work in book publishing. They used to whenever an, an author would come in to like pitch a book. Would we either they talk about an author in like an editorial meeting? If they were good looking, the phrase that we would use that people would use is highly marketable because you couldn't just be like, oh, by the way, he's real, he's real hot. So that's going to help sell books. You bet. Highly marketable. So you know, Bianca Belair, highly marketable. <laughs> we got um, to get out of here. Cam, uh, uh, you go first. You got? What, you got anything to plug? Yeah, man. Um, just uh, check out my stuff over at The Ringer. Um, I have written four articles. Most recent one was Tony Storm right before uh, AEW's Full Gear. I've talked to Tony, Carmelo Hayes, Ricky Starks, and uh, of course, Dax Harwood, who's had an amazing year. Um, be on the lookout the next couple of weeks. Some former WCW champions um, coming up. That should be really, really fun. Um, and yeah, I actually just had a new article come out for PWI, which will come out I think today I'm talking about a really, really good rivalry here locally in Texas women's wrestling. So check out the latest illustrate or latest edition of Pro Wrestling Illustrated here in the next week or so. Nice. Kaz? Um, special shout out to Rory Amal uh, for having us uh, open up uh, Say Less with Kaz and Low Key Live this past uh, Friday. New episode drops today with legendary Cormega talking about his, uh, you know, appearance on King's Disease, his new uh, project, The Realness 2, and just an incredible conversation with a hip hop legend. So if you're into that, please check it out. Say Less with Kaz, Low Key and Rosie on my YouTube page and on uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can catch me on MSG Network this week doing inside the lines doing msgpm with monica mcnutt as well um i think we got a betcast coming up in a few days and um man i think uh i think that is all this week man uh, and you catch me here thursday on the mass man show yeah you can find me here mondays and thursdays uh we're here almost every day we're working on that wednesday show right now um you can find me here you can find me on the press box you can find me on the book of wrestling um uh, thank you to our illustrious producer, Brian H. Waters. Um, uh, our thoughts and, and prayers right now go to, to Barry Windham, who uh, is, uh, I think, just suffered a heart attack reportedly. Apologies, as always, to John Moxley. 
We'll see you back here on Thursday, Humanoids. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.